When you partner with Axon, you immediately gain access to a full range of products and solutions designed to meet the complex needs of today's grower. We carry all major brands and sizes of tires and wheels. We specialize in large diameter wheels for large equipment. We have one of the largest OEM replacement wheel inventories in North America. Known for extreme flotation setups, duals, and triples, we have wheels for all makes and models of tractors, sprayers, combines, and grain carts. If we don't have the wheel in stock, we'll custom build, sandblast, and paint in-house. There isn't a more vast inventory in North America dedicated to helping dealers move more iron. With facilities on the West Coast and in the heart of the Midwest, leverage our 230,000 square feet of indoor inventory to solve any problem a grower may have. Move more iron with Axon. Hello and welcome to Moving Iron Podcast. This edition of the Moving Iron Podcast is brought to you by these great sponsors. Axon started out of a passion for keeping agriculture moving. Imagine having 100 years of tire and wheel knowledge in your back pocket the next time you sell a piece of ag equipment. To find more or become an Axon dealer, please visit axontire.com. Valley Transportation has been hauling ag and construction equipment across the country for the past 33 years. Call Parker at 800-657-4910 for all your trucking needs. At Valley Transportation, our goal is to help you reach yours. No matter how you buy your ag equipment, whether it's from a dealer, an auction, or a private party, Ag Direct can help you finance it. You can even apply online to agdirect.com. Learn more about your financing options at agdirect.com. TractorZoom has access to over $20 billion in heavy equipment sales data. TractorZoom's Iron Comps is the industry's trusted solution for transparent equipment values and auctionable pricing insights. This podcast is brought to you by Anvil AppWorks. The Dealer Connect CRMI app with integrated inventory management is an affordable Salesforce-based solution for your dealership. Create connected customer experience and transform how you work. Moving iron in the 21st century. Hardworking people working hard for you and me. Moving iron time and time again. Through the years you'll find us here. Hello and welcome to Moving Iron Podcast. Marcus with Sean Hackett. This edition of the Moving Iron Podcast is brought to you by Axon Tire, helping dealers move more iron for the past 100 years. For more information, go to axontire.com. Axon Tire would like to give all the loyal listeners of the Moving Iron Podcast a couple great offers. First, if you'd like to have a beanie, and I could use one today since we're having a, a calm blizzard. Let's put it like that. We're having one of those come through. Um, Send an email to marketing at axontire.com and uh, they'll send it to you in the mail just with all your details and they'll get that over to you. Also, if you plan on attending the Moving Iron Summit coming up here in Nashville, Tennessee, September 11th through the 13th, and you're one of the first 150 people to sign up, you get a $50 discount off your registration from them. So, so if you're interested in doing that, you can send me an email at Moving Iron Podcast at movingironpodcast.com or you can go over to the website and fill out all the information there. All the information is up room reservation, booking uh, tabs, and all those things are up and active. So check that out if you want to do that. Send the email to marketing at axontire.com for that free beanie and just go over to the website to sign up for the Moving Iron Summit and you will get that discount. So with that, um, go to movingironllc.com for that website, by the way. So check that out. All right. Valley Transportation has been hauling ag and construction equipment across the country for the past 33 years. Call Parker at 800 
657-4910 for all your trucking needs at Valley Transportation. Our goal is to help you reach yours. And no matter how you buy your ag equipment, whether it's from a dealer, an auction, or a private party, AgDirect can help you finance it. You can even apply online at agdirect.com. Learn more about your financing options at agdirect.com. TractorZoom has access to over $20 billion in heavy equipment sales data. Uh, yeah, sales data. TractorZoom's Iron Comps is the industry's trusted solution for transparent equipment values and optional pricing insights. Lastly, this podcast is brought to you by Anvil AppWorks. Their Dealer Connect CRMI app with integrated inventory management is an affordable Salesforce-based solution for your dealership. Create a connected customer experience and transform how you work today. Sean is with Hackett Financial out of Booker, Tone Florida. He's nice enough to come on and talk about what's happening in the marketplace. So Sean, how are you doing this morning, man? I'm doing good. I got my winter gear on. As you can see, I'm feeling a little blue, yeah. but all is well. That's good. That's clever. I like that little blue. That's good. That's good. So Sean is out on the road hitting the uh, hitting the speaking tour here, pretty pretty hard and heavy, and and he's up in Wisconsin this morning. He had, was nice enough to take time to to get on the podcast here and talk about what's happening. So Sean, how you doing? And and what what are you? Uh, who's your audience today? Are you doing some dairy work up there in in Wisconsin? I'm in Janesville. It's the Delong Group. Um, so I think it'll be uh, an array of different producers of grains and a lot. I'm sure, you know, dairy for sure will be there. So, um, you know, I'm kind of excited and looking forward to it, uh, here in Janesville, Wisconsin. And, uh, you know, it's, it's 35 degrees. So I, I cannot complain about Wisconsin at this time of year to have 35. So I'm, I'm very fortunate yeah. to have it that warm here up right at this moment in time. So yeah, that's it. Could be a lot worse than thirty-five. Could be a lot in January. <laughs> Wisconsin. Yes, definitely. All right. So, when was that Thursday? We had the uh, Indian stocks. January Indian stocks come out, and we saw. You know, of course, we had some big reactions. You know, the markets, uh, the expectations were were under what what uh, what the the market was looking for. Um, which we we'd been talking about that for some while here on this podcast that you know these numbers were going to be lower than we anticipated, um, and you know two years in a row we saw it come through. Um, you start taking a look at what's going on around us. Kind of had a kind of a fizzle coming out of that, but you know yesterday you had a pretty good run in some stuff, and you know Argentina is. Every time I read my report about Argentina, they've cut their their wheat crop and they've cut this and they've cut that, and they're just struggling with this drought. So, I guess reactions to the report last week's report and then you know kind of what you've seen fill the gap here uh since then i mean that the report last week was very important because it really pretty much told the market even though demand's a little weak uh for corn and and wheat we don't have enough we don't have much supply in the u.s we're not going to have much supply in the u.s that's it bottom line and even though the soybean crop is going to be good we don't know the second corn crop is going to be good yet, but we do know their soybean crop is going to be good. Things are so bad in Argentina, the worst since 1945, that I, according to our analysis and work that we did on some of the weather metrics we looked at, um, it's taking a lot of that away. And so when we look at the net exportable supplies that South America is going to have, it's not going to be up that much. And if we're looking ahead to renewable diesel, all the demand for bean oil, uh, how many? How much extra supply we're going to need domestically just to make that bean oil for this renewable diesel? Our exports to the rest of the world for soybeans are going to be down sharply over the next one to two years. I think the market is saying, you know what? We need a huge crop in the U.S. to, to keep this thing right-sided up 
Um, and so I think we're pretty much, they're, they're, they're pretty close to putting South America at rest and focusing on can the U.S. finally have a big crop? And I don't mean, you know, I mean like, you know, record acres, record yield, like big, big crop to get ahead of this thing. Obviously, we don't know that yet, but I think that the market's going to want to keep putting premium onto the market, especially in February, to make sure that those insurance uh, reference price premiums on crop insurance get set high enough that the farmer doesn't even blink an eye about getting out there and rock, you know, and rocking those planters as hard as they can. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, you know, in my neck of the woods we're at right now, we've gotten, if this storm comes through like it's supposed to, and we get, you know, close to another foot of snow, we'll have over three feet of snow so far this year, um, which is three feet more than we've had in the last <laughs> you know, five years. It feels like, but yeah, yeah we've had yeah. You know, our typical big, you know, winter blast. And of course we get those kind of things, but our moisture over the last three years out here has been very limited. And, uh, you know, it's the same as a store for the West, but you take a look at, at the Western part of the United States right now, and which was the hardest hit by this drought. Um, they're getting the most moisture, it seems like, um, comparatively to what we see on the, the eastern half of the United States, it's to a detriment somewhere. You know, I had Dan, had, I'm getting ready to release one, but I had Dan Lewis on here and he was, you know, he's from Oregon and they've had some pretty heavy rains. He's from that Portland area, around that Portland area. And they've had some pretty heavy rains there. Northern California's had some very heavy rains. Uh, Central California has had some heavy rains. You got to start looking at the mountain uh, snowpack and what that looks like in the Western Rockies and, and where we're at now. There's significant amounts of, of moisture coming in, which is going to lead to some of that um, key, you know, irrigation water and stuff that we see coming out of the mountains in, in, the, in the western half of the United States. Take a look what's going on in the east part of the United States, too. And there's they've had some significant snow events and, and winter activity and those kind of things as well. So it's it's shaping up anyway, Sean, kind of like you talked about here, where we're starting to see that. El Nino effects take place, and we're starting to see more of this more uh, moisture patterns to move in, move in the areas, and, and and really start to set in. So, I guess Sean, taking a look, what we have now talk a little bit about the Glassberg cycle and where you're seeing that. Is that starting to shift a little bit? And you know, we've talked about 23, 24, 25, where you're at, but are you are you looking at more of that 24 time period now for the Glassberg cycle to take effect? No, I think I think one has to remember a wet winter does not mean a wet summer. It could, but it's it's really there's not really a direct correlation necessarily. Um, in fact, in the Dust Bowl, we had some record snowpack in the winters before the summers came, and you know, 110 degrees for five for ten straight days in a row, and those kind of things. You know, takes a lot of that moisture and it just evaporates it out. So, so I think we need to understand the difference between what winter can do, which means off to a good start. There's no question. And we have been saying we expect to have get an early spring off to a great start. And that should put some bearish pressure on grain prices, um, you know, in that March, early April timeframe. So, so that has part of the forecast hasn't changed at all, but we do not yet see any reason to think that we're going to move into an El Nino overall pattern until later in the year which means that the Gleisberg cycle, especially for the central, eastern central grain belt, which has been the area that's missed the drought the last couple of, you know, three years, they've, they've gotten the rains when the West has not gotten it. Um, and we've been talking about a, a shift, um, a migration where, you know, you, it's kind of like a, a game of musical chairs as the Northern Plains, as the West, as the Southern Plains, but it's time for the central eastern grain belt to get their, their, 
their moment, I believe. And I believe that the Gleisberg cycle um, is on the table for this year because I don't think we're going to get the El Nino um, in time. And I would really, you know, if you're going to get this crop really bad, you need to get Iowa, Illinois, and Indiana, and, you know, in that southern half of Minnesota, you need to get that area under severe drought. They have not been under severe drought. They've had huge yields. It's made up for the terrible yields out west. But you want to have a 2012 20% down below trend kind of yield, you need those regions to get hit um, very, very hard. Um, and I think that as of what we're standing here today, looking at where we're, where we're, where we're at, uh, I don't see any reason to change that to 23. The probabilities are extremely elevated that the Gleisberg cycle um, could kick in this year. It may not. You know, we, we have it's a window of 23, 24, 24, but as you know, it cannot be an El Nino. And if El Nino is right. going to be 24, which I'm pretty confident it's going to be, then it's either going to be 23 or the El Nino is going to leave and 25 is on the table. It's going to be one of those two years. As I said, we verified this cycle going back to 955 to the present. So unless 11 centuries of, re of repeated Glaxberg cycle verification, unless that fails to deliver this time, you know, we would expect it. So, so we're on, uh, we're on Gleisberg warning for this year, and we're going to be looking for those mid-late spring signs that it's on the way. By the way, a very interesting metric. We try to look at other regions and say, is are some other regions popping up similarly to what they did in, let's say, 1933, um, before the 1934 drought? So we look at Argentina or South America. Brazil had very good rains. Argentina was red and purple uh, in that year. Yeah. Exactly as the it is today. I mean, it's almost if I showed you the the PETA, the Palmer Drought Severity Index of South America in the growing season of 1933-34, you you'd think I was showing you one for right now. It's amazing how similar it is. Now that doesn't mean it. It's a, you know guaranteed that we're going to have the Glasberg cycle, but I, we look for these repetitive patterns elsewhere to say that we're lining up for this to happen. And by the way, the winter of 33-34 was a very uh, wet, heavy snowfall year for. for uh, the U.S. winter, so so I, I don't see any reason to think that 23 isn't an elevated chance for the Gleisberg cycle at this point. We have not changed that uh, little shift in our forecast because our work says the Tonga eruption, you know, is, is delaying the onset of El Nino from what would normally have been expected, and that looks to be the case right now. All the models that we, all the recent models in the last, let's say, two or three days have all been backing away from El Nino arriving by the summer. They're all pushing it out into the fall. I think more of the models are going to start showing that pattern as time goes on. So that's that's the way it looks right now, Casey, from where, from where we're sitting. Gotcha. Okay. All right. So you're in dairy country. Let's talk about what's going on over on the dairy market. You, we've seen a lot of, you know, we've seen a lot of erosion of the margin over over the course of this time frame, but we've seen it come back. You know, it's been very volatile in, in what we've seen happening in the dairy market. So I guess, Sean, as you look at dairy market right now, going into um, some very elevated feed costs as we keep watching, you know, the price of corn kind of hover around that $7 mark. Looking at that, Sean, what are your thoughts there? We've pretty much priced milk around the world to not produce it. I mean, no one, Europe's underwater, a good portion of the U.S. is underwater, especially out west. China underwater, um, so we're going to have a significant setback and contraction in production in the back half of 23. Obviously, the big elephant in the room is global demand, especially demand from China because of their COVID chaos that's going on, 
is, you know, they're really, really important to the pri- the, the, the price of milk on a global stage. Um, that's the bad news. Uh, the good news is that, um, uh, you know, they're going to get on the other side of this as we get into the second quarter onward. And we, and we know the boomerang effect we had here with milk demand. We know the boomerang effect we had in Europe with milk demand when we came out of our respective COVID chaoses. So um, I really feel we're digging our heels in, um, you know, with current prices here in the first quarter and, and really putting in not only lows here in the U.S., but lows globally and setting the stage for, you know, a significant rebound in milk prices as we get into the second quarter onward. So, um, you know, if I'm a cash buyer of milk, if I'm a processor, if I'm making cheese, if I'm making butter and I'm looking at how do I, you know, lock in some good margins on the processor side, boy, this looks like a pretty good place to be thinking about extending that cash coverage and getting yourself buttoned up because we're pretty optimistic. We're just, we're almost close to pricing in the worst case scenario right now. Um, so, so I guess the bad news is uh, that's how we got here and it's not, it's not fun for producers. The good news is I don't think it's going to last much longer. Gotcha. Okay. All right. So you've talked quite a bit, quite extensively um, about, you know, Glassberg cycle situation you see coming in and the, uh, how that's going to affect feed prices. And, and, you know, if you're a cattle guy and you're out there looking at, at feed costs and those kind of things and locking in some of that stuff. So I'm looking at this time frame we're in now. Um, there's still a pretty elevated price, but if, if things continue on the path, like you've been talking about, this could be just a, a you know pocket change comparatively to what it's going to be. So I guess looking at, at, at your kind of your thought process now, looking at those kind of things and you start looking at feed costs, you know, this time, you know, going into the summertime when there could be some some issues there. When do you feel we should be taking advantage of some of these uh, feed costs that we're looking at here? Well, all the moisture at West that you correctly identified is going to finally create some significant increase in supplies and alfalfa and hay and all those, you know, horrendous high prices that we've had for the last couple of years that have been just crushing, you know, livestock producers, especially dairy, for example. And, um, so that's going to, that's, a, that's going to come down. I mean, I don't know, you know, that, that for sure is going to come down. I think your, your best opportunity, Casey, to look for some kind of a low point would be March, early April, um, in the grains on good start to the planting season, good moisture, getting off to a good start. Um, so if I'm a livestock producer, you know, I certainly would be looking for that window to get some f- cash coverage. Or just some, put some upside protection on hedges, you know, some hedging to the upside in case the Glassburg cycle kicks in. Um, you know, I think that's your going to be your really important window to look for when a correction and when a when a, when it looks like a, a correction into the early part of the planting season, you know, gives you that opportunity. So that's what we're gearing up for, and that's where we're getting our livestock producers geared up for to, to be pouncing on that opportunity when it arrives. Right on. All right, let's talk about hogs real quick, just because of where what's happening over in China. Um, about every fourth article I read is something to do with China and hogs, it seems like. So I guess if you look at, at what's going on with the hog market and what's happening in China, we've seen a report came out this morning that December imports were the largest since November 21 into China. So I guess looking at that, what are your thoughts on the hog market? And how do you think, how much, how soon would you think China plays a plays a part in in getting the hog price back up. Well, once once China get feels they're on the other side of this COVID reopening, 
And the, more importantly, not the, not even the government, but the, when the people get confidence that they can go, go back out, go back to the restaurants, go back to work, go back to, you know, to normal daily life and purchase things and do things and get something more than, you know, being boarded up in their homes. When they get confidence that, that they're on the other side of that, the demand for everything there is going to really take off, including the demand for pork. I know we, we have seen the domestic price for Chinese hog prices get hit pretty hard here in the last month. I think that's a function of um, the COVID chaos, you know, some near-term demand loss. I also think it's an issue that they're on their holiday. So, you know, I mean, just they just don't do anything right now. Um, I think once the holidays are over and we get into, you know, to that second quarter onward um, and, and we start getting some more vibrant demand coming out of them um, and some of the, um, you know, all that, remember, they consume a lot of pork during these, the, you know, these uh, New Year holiday periods. You know, I think they're going to come back in. I do believe that the market will start to be uh, bit up as a result of it. So, you know, we had we got hit a bit, you know, hit here a little bit here in January, as I've been worrying about. Um, I'm not sure we're out of the woods just yet, but uh, but definitely, definitely think we could be looking at a low point in the entire livestock complex, including dairy here in the first quarter, as we price in the worst case part of the demand issue that I see here in the first quarter before we get some better times ahead. Um, okay. All right. Finally, Sean, let's take a look at the cattle market. What's happening there? You've seen some really just, it's just been a pretty steady market. I mean, it's not, there's, there's plenty of things out there to show that the price of, of cattle is going to stay where it's at until we start seeing some of their bill another herd and what we see happening there. Still a fair amount of liquidations going on just because of where we're at with feed costs and those kind of things, Sean. So take a look at the cattle market and tell me what you think there. Well, kind of like, you know, hogs and milk, the demand's going to be pretty rough here in the first quarter. Prices are, have started to fall. Yep. Um, I think, I think the fats are down five or six. And I, I mean, the, 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 the feeders got really hit. Um, and I've been warning about that. And I still think they got further to go to fully price in this demand air pocket that the Fed has induced and that the COVID chaos in China has induced. Um, but once we, once we get to, once we priced it in, then, then we're going to reach the point of no animals, herd rebuilding. Yes. A glass first cycle drought would provide some extra herd liquidation, but given that we've already heard liquidated so much, um, you know, I think the pressure is going to be far, far less than it was, you know, the last two or three years when we had a lot more animals that were really easy pickings for herd liquidation. So um, I really feel, and then of course, once we get the boomerang effect in China for meat proteins, and of course we know we have this ongoing, it seems like never ending avian flu, here in the U.S., you know, egg prices, you know, highest they've ever been in the history of egg prices and chicken supplies down all those, you know, there's nothing good about the future supply of meat proteins um, as we get to the second quarter onward. And the only thing we have right now is a demand problem, which I don't think is going to last beyond the first quarter. So I'm very optimistic on cattle prices, um, you know, second quarter onward, but I'm still a bit cautious here. I still think we have more downside to go before you know we, we fully price it how bad is this demand side air pocket right now right on okay all right sean good stuff as usual folks want to reach out to you and get more information about what's happening over at hackett financial what's the best way to do that our website is hackett h-a-c-k-e-t-t advisors.com all kinds of information interviews on there that go over our work 
on climate, on capital flows to see if how we look at the world and how we price forecast ag markets could be a value to your listeners. Right on. Well, Sean, uh, appreciate you being on the podcast, man. Safe travels. Will do. Sounds good, Casey. We'll, we'll, we'll do this from uh, South Dakota on Thursday. Cool. It's only supposed to be like, I think it's supposed to be like negative 22 degrees there. So it's balmy this time of year. Uh, I think it's, I think 15, which actually for South Dakota, this time of the year, I will take, I will take. Positive uh, temperatures. Anything so positive is positive for me. (laughs) That's good. Take care of yourself, man. All right. Sounds good, Casey. Thanks. I'm I'm Casey Seymour with Moving Iron Podcast. Check me out on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Moving Iron LLC. Go to uh, Moving Iron Podcast on LinkedIn. Go to the Moving Iron YouTube channel, which is the Moving Iron Podcast YouTube channel. Check that out. Also, go to uh, Moving Iron LLC for everything Moving Iron related. Um, More information about the Moving Iron sound will be popping up here uh, directly. So we'll have some more information about speakers and whatnot as they come around. So we'll, we'll be able to see what that looks like too. So with that, I am Casey Seymour. We're Sean Hackett. Who's smart, folks? Oh, one more thing. If you're a dealer out there and you're looking for someone to help you with your parts and service business, give my friend uh, Wayne Brozick a call. Uh, he's got a, he's a, I worked with him for a long time. He started up a training and a consulting firm. Um, we've all been around that as well as some sales and leadership training as well, too. But if you're looking for someone that really understands what it means to go to the parts department and the service department every day and go to work, give my friend Wayne Bros a call over at wbglobalservices.com. So with that, I'm Casey Seymour with Sean Hackett. Smooth smart folks, out. Axon started out of a passion for keeping agriculture moving. Imagine having 100 years of tire and wheel knowledge in your back pocket the next time you sell a piece of ag equipment. To find more or become an Axon dealer, please visit axontire.com. Valley Transportation has been hauling ag and construction equipment across the country for the past 33 years. Call Parker at 800 800- for all your trucking needs. At Valley Transportation, our goal is to help you reach yours. No matter how you buy your ag equipment, whether it's from a dealer, an auction, or a private party, AgDirect can help you finance it. You can even apply online at agdirect.com. Learn more about your financing options at agdirect.com. TractorZoom has access to over $20 billion in heavy equipment sales data. TractorZoom's IronComps is the industry's trusted solution for transparent equipment values and auctionable pricing insights. This podcast is brought to you by Anvil AppWorks. The Dealer Connect CRMI app with integrated inventory management is an affordable Salesforce-based solution for your dealership. Create connected customer experience and transform how you work. Moving iron in the 21st century. Hardworking people working hard for you and me. Moving higher time and time again. Through the years you'll find us here. Moving higher.